Hello and welcome to the Resilient in STEM podcast. My name is Jill Pastana and I believe that if we really want STEM fields to be diverse and inclusive, career advice needs to be tailored to those who have been historically excluded from STEM fields. STEM encompasses science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The truth is that from navigating everything from biases to systems and structures that were not built for us, we have extra challenges and barriers to thriving in our careers. My story is similar to so many others I've heard from people in STEM. I'm part of the 75% of female physics majors who experience harassment, and the career I worked so hard to achieve was nearly derailed when I was forced to leave my PhD program in material science and engineering. However, through a journey that was supposed to break me, I landed my dream job and developed resilience. When the pandemic started in 2020, I decided to spend my extra time in quarantine to found the STEM Thrive Guides to provide the support I wish I had throughout my education and career. Support for navigating all those difficult situations with inappropriate behavior and harassment at work and school. And here we are now with Resilient in STEM a podcast to share more information, resources, and conversations on those taboo yet important topics. Thanks for listening and being part of this community and mission. Hello and welcome to the Resilient in STEM podcast. I'm really excited to be discussing empowerment with you and also really excited to be hosting one of my greatest friends and fellow engineer, Brianne Martin. You all might already know Brianne, she's the people engineer and owner of BCM Engineered Solutions, which is a consulting firm, right? Yes, ma'am. I'm so excited for you (laughs) and starting this new business venture. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on here and I feel like you're the perfect person to talk about empowerment with because this is like a whole new venture for you, right? Absolutely. Awesome, yes. So you'll all really want to listen close because we will be discussing false images of empowerment, seven qualities of a truly empowered person, and how empowerment and oppression are very much linked. This will likely provide you with a new perspective you may not have already heard about that can help you in your own journey of empowerment, or at the very least, validate your own views and feelings about empowerment. I remember when I was in elementary school being assigned to do a report on a role model. I was 10 years old, I think, and my mind blanked. I knew what a role model was, and I felt pressured to have one by my parents and teachers, but I did not have any. There are presidents, astronauts, movie stars, and other celebrities, yet I never felt like I wanted to be them or follow in their footsteps. And I ended up doing my report on Sally Ride, the first woman in space, because of parental pressure. To this day, I struggle with finding a true role model who I aspire to be like and instead have settled for admiring different traits of different people I learn exist on this planet. All of the people I look up to have one thing in common though, and this is empowerment. From a young age, I always wanted to be one of those empowered people. And now I have the self-awareness to know that the reason why is because I wanna be significant and be loved for who I am. Empowerment is a word I hear thrown around by a lot of people, communities, and organizations that call themselves feminists. There was even an empowering women series of lectures at my alma mater. I attended the lectures, but I did not particularly feel empowered afterward. In some contexts I see, like on social media, 
Empowerment is promoted by showing boss babes flaunting their luxury items dressed in designer clothes and sharing how they made six or seven figure businesses. In other advertisements on shoes, makeup, toys, soap, and even telecom services, women's empowerment is promoted along with the product. But are these really empowering and are these images that we're seeing of empowered women really empowered women? What is empowerment after all? Well, according to Merriam-Webster dictionary, <laughs> yeah, I'm citing the dictionary definition, to be empowered means having the knowledge, confidence, means, or ability to do things or make decisions for oneself. Psychological empowerment is composed of four cognitions, meaning, self-determination, competence, and impact. Empowerment manifests as self-confidence and renews your sense of purpose. When you act on your ability to do things and make decisions for yourself, you grow self-confidence and can follow your purpose. Reflecting back on those advertisements, by nature, purchasing something advertised will not necessarily lead to empowerment. You are making the decision to purchase that good or service, but that product in and of itself may not empower you. And let's take this a step further to look at your purchase through a wider lens. As you probably know, we live in a capitalist society. Not only that, but it's patriarchal, heteronormative, cisnormative, imperialist, and white supremacist. That means that most of the images we see in media of what quote-unquote empowerment means and what a person who is empowered looks like is a straight cis white male from the upper class of society with a well-paying job and property, including but not limited to a house, expensive car, wife, and children, aka this is the vision of the oppressor. When we see advertisements to empower women, what are the women doing? In a Verizon commercial, there is a girl working with power tools in a garage. Others have women wearing suits in minimalist corporate offices. And mind you, the origin of minimalism is fascist and focused on erasure of culture, by the way. Some advertisements have women dressed in provocative clothing for the male gaze, supporting men as gatekeepers to women's power. Nearly every advertisement I have seen that purports to empower women does so by portraying women in a masculine context, succeeding while being more masculine, or by promoting that the message that a woman's level of empowerment is measured by her proximity to and or support from a man. Just let that sink in for a second. This is just one example of the false narrative of empowerment and how it can be sexist. But messages about empowerment can also be racist, classist, and ableist, and otherists as well. For example, media messages portray that to be empowered for black people means to be more like white people, and for poor people to be more like rich people, and for people with disabilities to overcome their disability and achieve more than even an able-bodied person would. The underlying message by mainstream media is that to be empowered means that you think, look, and act like the oppressor. So is true empowerment to be like the oppressor? No. <laughs> like I said earlier, it means having the knowledge, confidence, means, or ability to do things or make decisions for oneself. 
you don't have to be a white male in order to do things or make decisions for oneself. Oh, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. People who are oppressed are treated cruelly or are prevented from having the same opportunities, freedoms, and benefits as others. This means that they are prevented from, in certain situations, exercising their will and ability to make decisions for themselves because of authority, the oppressor. So in a way, you do have to be like the oppressor, a straight, white, cis, wealthy male, to have true empowerment and to be able to follow through completely with your decisions. So now that we understand what empowerment does not look like, what does empowerment actually look like? When I was listening to the podcast Equivalence by Eve's List with Sophie Larray in season one, episode one, I had this moment where I thought, wow, so this is what it's like to listen to empowered women. The podcast Equivalence explores what is equivalence in corporate and other places, and many episodes explore gender equity in the Middle East. It's fantastic. The guest on the episode I listened to is Hermione, a TV reporter and activist and advocate for women. And I encourage you to look at the show notes to get more information about her and her endeavors. She is originally from Australia, but works in the Middle East. In her role as a TV reporter and advocate, she feels like she's constantly working against sexism. As I listened to this episode, I felt in my soul that I needed to make this blog post about empowerment because I felt I found a role model of empowerment in Hermione and the show host Sophie. I want to share what qualities this woman has, as she self-describes in this episode, to provide this example of an empowered person. Now, by listening to this episode, I really reflected on the key points that Hermione was sharing, and I found seven different qualities that I thought she embodied, and these are qualities I think an empowered person has. So I'll go through each one. The first quality is that they dedicate themselves to personal development. Hermione spoke fondly of the years she dedicated to her own personal development, getting to know herself and develop her self-awareness. She said, how you see yourself is indicative of your self-esteem. The second quality is that she advocates for herself from a place of self-love and self-awareness. My ears perked up when Hermione said that she fought every sexual harassment case in her career. As someone who has struggled a lot with navigating and reporting harassment, especially in my early career, I was really impressed. I know the courage and self-assurance required to stand up for yourself, and this woman sure has quite a bit of that. It really excites me to hear from a woman with that kind of strength and courage. Hermione credits her mother and father for raising her to be confident and strong, and feels like this kept people from harassing her as much as other women. She said she doesn't fit into the box of what would be considered a victim. The ones who did harass anyway, she prosecuted. One quote that I have from her that I love is that you have to know yourself, love yourself, and stand up for yourself as a woman. The third quality that I felt Hermione embodied was that she grounds herself in her core values and that gives her resilience. Hermione states that her values from family and identity and faith in God, her spirituality, helped her develop resilience because she knows she was made in the image of God. Even though she felt like she missed opportunities because of harassment, she kept going. And I have another quote from her that I love, and it's, the people who don't give up are the ones that win. 
I included this key to resilience in the STEM Thread Guides courses, which teach how to navigate difficult situations involving inappropriate behavior like microaggressions at work and school. In the courses, I share the resilience mindset, which are a set of five truths or values that I use to empower myself when deciding what actions to take to resolve a situation and reach justice. Grounding in your core values and acting from that place allows you to keep going and live with purpose despite uncertainty and setbacks. In fact, the setbacks become part of the process and part of your practice to keep up resilience. The fourth quality is learning about and growing awareness of their societal context. Throughout the episode, it was evident that Hermione was well aware of the issues in society, oppression, and how she is directly affected. She shared deep wisdom that she has grown through her learning and awareness. She feels like women have self-hatred and self-deprecation. Women tend to put themselves down while men build themselves up. We have to look at our identities as women and question, why do we do that? She knew that sexual harassment is usually subtle comments, also called microaggressions, that can be hard to identify. She also pointed out how in our culture, women are over-sexualized. There's pressure to look a certain way, especially in her industry, which is news and TV. And many women have had procedures like plastic surgeries to stay working in her field. She says she thinks the world has a long way to go to reach equity. Growing this awareness of society and why you're treated certain ways helps one distinguish what they can't control from what they can control. Since empowerment comes from a place of making decisions and choices, knowing what you can actually affect is important so that you don't feel defeated. For instance, if you change how you dress to prevent harassment, you can feel defeated over and over again because of how you, how you dress has no control over how people treat you. Realizing that you have no control over preventing harassment allows you to focus on what you can control which includes advocating for yourself, as well as documenting and reporting harassment. And if you really struggle with documenting and reporting harassment, you're not sure what to do, I really encourage you to visit www.stemthriveguides.com. That's www.stemthriveguides.com. And there's a link in the show notes for that. And that's where I have courses and resources and more information on how to document and report harassment and navigate those difficult situations. So seriously, y'all, once you realize what you do have control over, you can act on that while knowing what is outside of your control. And empowerment is action-based and confidence grows when your actions produce the results that you desire. The fifth quality is that people who are empowered lift others up. Hermione talked about how when you're empowered, you want to lift others up and not tear them down. She said how it's all about relationship building and it's a mutual benefit in the long run. She believes that what you sow is what you reap and that success is saving lives. This demonstrates how she has a growth and abundance mindset, not needing to compete, but to collaborate with others to solve issues. She's focused less on how others see her and more on what is within her control, her thoughts and actions. This by nature is the opposite of being an oppressor. Lifting other people is love 
Love is the willingness to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual or just growth in general, as Eric Fromm says. The sixth quality, excuse me, the sixth quality of an empowered person is that they combine all of the traits that I just listed to pursue their purpose. Hermione notes that the role of Hollywood is to please men and not women, and because of this has been up against sexism to pursue her career in film and TV. And I think this goes for pretty much anyone in any field, right? We're battling the different prejudices against us. She advocates for more women directors and writers and producers in the film industry and has been the director of the World of Women Film Fair Middle East. Despite setbacks, she is now the CEO of Straight Street Media, a global media consulting business. She continues her advocacy work as well with the House of Rest, which is a privately funded, non-political and non-governmental resource center run by women for women survivors of sex slavery, war, violence, and oppression. Wow, you can see that her entire journey from Australia to the Middle East, from navigating sexism in her industry to promoting women in her industry, and then to building businesses and organizations around lifting others, her entire journey combines everything she has learned to act with purpose. She not only serves her higher good, but also those around her. She may be oppressed, but she minimizes and counteracts oppression. She has not become the oppressor. The seventh and final quality that I'll say today on the qualities of someone who is empowered is that they know they can't do it all alone. Empowered people know that asking for help is not a sign of weakness and surround themselves with people who love and support them. Hermione emphasized that she married someone with a similar vision as her to help lift communities. Throughout the episode, she discussed the support of her family throughout her life. And here she was on a podcast sharing her story, connecting with the host of the show, from her business to her work as a film festival director to her new initiative with the House of Rest. You can see her actions, that she is all about building communities that lift their members and others. She knows that she can't make the big positive changes in the world all by herself. The image of empowerment as one who conquers solo is completely false and honestly probably improbable. True empowerment incorporates community because the decisions that stem from the empowered person are enacted to love and respect themselves and others. I had Brienne listen to this podcast and I wanted to hear her opinion since she is an empowered person. So I had Brienne listen to this podcast and wanted to hear her opinion since she is an empowered person, basically. Um, so like there's these seven qualities of someone is empowered. And honestly, we're just sitting now at a table looking at these seven qualities that I just stated. And so I'm curious how she feels about like these seven qualities. So the first, I guess I'll list them out first. Does that work for you? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the first is this person dedicates themselves to personal development the second is that they advocate for themselves from a place of self-love and self-awareness. The third is that they ground themselves in core values that gives resilience. Number four is learning about and growing awareness of their social context. Number five, they lift others up. And number six, they combine all of these traits to pursue their purpose. And finally, number seven, they know they can't do it alone. So. 
you just started this new business. What has that been like as far as your mental state in going on this new business venture? Yeah, um, it's interesting that number one is dedicating yourself to that personal development because I just think there's so much in jumping from the state of you know, being an individual contributor to then, oh, I actually have something of value that I can sell or that I'm worthy of you know, X, Y, and Z. And so that simple just investment in yourself um, you know, I feel like again, there's a lot of conversations about confidence when in reality, it's not this sense of, you know, be all in, in the highest level you can reach, but it's simply like your ability to believe in yourself to figure it out. You know, like I don't have all the answers and, and fellow STEMers and engineers, right? You know, the, the biggest thing is it's not that we have the answers, it's that we have the ability and the resources to go find those answers. Yes. And so exactly. So, and it just like, when you say that it's, when it comes out of your mouth, like, oh, of course that makes sense. But in practicality, when we're actually living it out, you know, we're having this grand gesture or expectation that's something different. And so in simply just starting my business, it, it's really been um, a long-term process. And honestly, I've had like two or three, well, two false starts where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my business. And then it's like, right as I'm about to put my foot on the boat and it's like, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm finally on, and this is my third time, and it's just funny because I feel like threes very much shows up in my life, but like third time's the charm. And it's like, I feel like momentum, the wind is behind my sails. And so there's no chance that I even have to try to go backwards just because everything is pushing my momentum forward. And a big piece is because I've invested over time, a little at a time, and that confidence is finally there. Like I I can do this and I've proven to myself and you know, this is something I can do. Yeah. And it's all about getting rid of those limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, when talking about impression, oppression and empowerment, you know, where do the, our limiting beliefs come from? They often come from those images of what false empowerment look like and how we're not leveling up to that level, which is simply impossible because if you're an oppressed person, you're not going to be an oppressor. I mean, sure, for some people, there are shades of gray. Like, I feel like us in the middle class, like, we both oppress and are oppressed almost simultaneously in different aspects, and yeah. it's very intersectional with our identities and with our degrees and our credentials as well. And so um, maybe describe like what was your process of recognizing and reflecting and discovering what those limiting beliefs were? Yeah, and it's perfect that you say it's kind of this middle ground because, you know, I grew up in a single parented household. Like my mom was amazing and, you know, wise beyond her years. Um, And so I was always told like I can dream big and like, you know, my life is limitless. I'm only limited by my own imagination. And so inside the home, like I was very much encouraged to be myself and like little Brienne was just free spirited and, and I just, there was no, you know, dream big enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so even growing up, I remember like sitting at the kitchen table and I like remember my mom and my grandma, like I call her my momo, like them both kind of sitting down and like, yeah, you know, you can do anything. And I'll be like, well, I want to be a doctor cause I want to help people. And that was like an, in my head, the only thing, you know, and they, they made money and like, I, I was like, yes, this is going to work. So they said, well, yeah, you could totally do that. And I said, well, I want to be a famous singer too. Like, that's what I've been wanting to do since I was, you know, two. And I may be like six or seven at this point. So like, you could totally do that, you know, like go to school to be a doctor. And then like on the weekends you can sing. And I'm like, well, I want to travel and be a photographer. And like, I want to take pictures and, you know, just like, but I also want to be a teacher. I want to help educate people. And they were like, they literally made it 
possible where, okay, being a doctor is the one thing that takes all the time that you need. You know, you need a certification, you need like a degree, you got to go to doctor school. So like, that's what you're going to go to school for. And then on the weekends, you can play your music. And then when you're traveling as a doctor, go help people in all these other countries all over the world. Like you can take pictures and then you can help educate people on what you learn on these societies when you come back and like, it, they really just made it work in my head. Wow. And so I was thinking, man, this is so cool. Like I could totally do this. Um, so then it was really almost devastating and heartbreaking to go out into society and be like, hey, everyone, like this is my dream. And people laugh at me, yeah. not only because I wasn't coming from socioeconomic status or because I didn't have any other doctors in my life, but because to everyone else, they just saw a little brown girl, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard because I'm fourth generation Texan. So my family at this point, because my mom was very much bought into the American dream. Um, you know, I didn't really have, I want to say, like the cultural ties that most first generation or even immigrant families have. And so being in this middle state, we're like, well, why can't I do this? You know, my mom and my grandma say I can do whatever I want. And like, if I work hard and right, I just show up the way Americans expect me to. Like, why wouldn't I? Like, I'm an American, too. Yeah. And so it was this weird of, again, bias or the limiting beliefs of other people. Well, you're just a girl. You couldn't do that. Or you're Hispanic. And, you know, who would trust you? And, and we don't even know what a Hispanic doctor looks like, you know, so it just became so many things. Um, and again, to really rumble with those those two conflicting messages was really hard for me. Um, and yeah, like you said, just to learn to shed it. And like, if, if you're going to choose to hold on to that, then you're going to be limited forever. Or you can try to push through it and maybe you fail. But what if I don't? Yeah. And so, like you said, like you push through it, you mm -hmm. recognize, oh, my gosh, like, why are people treating me this way? Like, and for some people, like, maybe it's more obvious for them that, oh, this is a societal system, this is oppression, this is, you know, I'm up against what the status quo, like, I'm pushing through what status quo wants me to do and going against that and to do what I want to do, and therefore I'm getting this kind of rebuttal against that, right? And so it all falls into that, like, false notion of what you're supposed to do when you're put down by an oppressor, of oh, like maybe you should just oppress the oppressor, kind of beat them at their own game, you know, strive to make riches and then throw it back in their faces and go, look what I just did, despite everything you told me I couldn't do, right? That's our kind of initial reaction to being oppressed. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like um, I'll explain in a second, that doesn't really lead to that empowerment that we see that's represented by Hermione in this podcast Another aspect that I think really that you discuss in that your family has supported you this whole way is so crucial. And like Hermione said in hers, how her family supported her throughout this process. So I find that parallel as well. So that's incredible that you have that family support this whole way. And they still, I'm sure, support you to this day and are cheering you on, which is essential to surround yourself with people who love and support you. Absolutely, for sure. And I do think, again, it makes a difference to have a supporter. I 1000% agree, again, in our, our innate response is to get vengeance and to be ugly right back. And especially in the world of diversity, right, we have to just be careful to not become the monster we're trying to, you know, dismantle, because it is easier, like you said, oh, well, you know, and this is something even that right, I, I have a real problem with hearing or seeing the statements like the female is future, because like, you know, we're not trying, again, we're not trying to become the oppressor yes. that we're fighting so hard to really, you know, I would say like even the playing field here. And so it's really difficult because again, it, it feels good to say that, it, you know, it almost feels like, oh, we finally got it back. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, and like, I don't know, we'll talk about the empowerment and like we were talking about the false image of that. 
Um, but again, like it, if we're knocking people off their horses, at the end of the day, we're no longer having fun anymore. And so again, it, it doesn't feel good afterwards. Maybe for a moment, moment, right? We feel you know really strong to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, like it, it doesn't feel good to be a, a, a you know crappy person. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I know you are coming out with a new podcast season, correct? Mm -hmm. And what's it called again? Uh, The People Engineer Podcast. Yes, The People Engineer Podcast. (laughs) You guys should all go over and listen to it. It's amazing. Um, But in it, you are going to be talking about the Queen Bee Syndrome, which I think follows with this talk of the oppressed trying to become the oppressor as a way to empower themselves. And so what can you speak to about Queen Bee Syndrome? Yeah, um, again, the whole season for season three is the the idea of leveling up. And again, when you reach this new level, like it is difficult and you're navigating new skill sets, new ideas, you know, you're pushing all your concepts to the test now. And with the Queen Bee Syndrome is something, again, I feel like it's part of these com- um controversial conversations that we're kind of scared to have. Um, It's really hard to talk about, you know, when all of us women want to really be in a kumbaya state and really just there for each other. And, um, you know, we believe in the, you know, uh, collaboration over competition, but it's totally against, right, what we've been conditioned or um, even expect from each other. So from the Queen Bee Syndrome, and uh, this is actually where I'll start be doing a lot more research on it, um, is a friend of mine brought it up that there was someone doing research on this and that there's a whole thing in there, right? Because not only is it hard for a, again, a woman to climb that uphill battle, but once she's there, then she feels like this is my land and my territory and you know I'm going to protect it. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of us, again, especially women in STEM, talk about lifting as we climb. But again, in what ways do we do that? In what ways are do we have our own biases? Because maybe you took one path to get there, but I'm going to take something totally different. And the whole time you're criticizing me or, you know, telling me that I'm doing it wrong. When in reality, like, you know, we're all essentially trailblazing. There can be multiple trails or different ways to get there. Um, and so, again, it, it's just that idea of feeling the need to protect your territory, feeling the need like this is mine and mine alone. But we were talking about limiting beliefs and the, a big rooted one that comes I want to say regularly, especially in American society, thanks to capitalism, is the scarcity mindset. And so that there's only enough for one, there can only be one queen bee, and like, you know, good luck trying to knock me off my throne. Definitely. And in male-dominant fields, that's very prominent where you'll have one female manager and she kind of feels like no one else should move up the ranks because she wants to have that territory. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, when I was learning about queen bee syndrome or I learned in Australia, it's coined as tall poppy syndrome. And as the term kind of, you guys probably understand what, what we mean by that, or I should say not you guys, but y'all, I need to be more inclusive with my language here. Um, But yeah, so queen bee syndrome, tall poppy syndrome, that just means where you're putting down people who you see are thriving or doing very well in the workplace. And it stems from that dynamic between oppressor and oppressed in that the oppressed are trying to pull down the oppressor or pull down other people to try to be like the oppressor. And that's like we've been saying a false notion of empowerment. So Brianne, I would love to hear about, you know, we talked about your limiting beliefs. So we talked about what is bad example of empowerment or false empowerment as we've been calling it. But what does it feel like to be now starting this business and feeling like you're in your empowered self? Yeah, I feel like it's very invigorating, exhilarating. Like I, I feel like I am an energy source just like powered up. 
Um, and what's funny is, you know, for season three, I just wrapped up, um, I guess, episode one and two. And, you know, really talking about that, like, identity and really slowing down to be aware of, like, what's going on. Because especially when you're feeling like you are oppressed, you're constantly battling, you're constantly, you know, fighting that hill, you're constantly like having your armor on, having to defend yourself. Um, and when it comes to a sense of empowerment, like I feel so like again, one and charged and again, just, I wish like, you know, people could see me, right? But I just feel so full. And it's not even like full of myself, but like full of energy. And uh, I was thinking in my head, like the perfect analogy would be like Storm from the X-Men, you know, like she just has so much power and like, you know, with the blink of an eye could have, you know, electricity flowing from her veins. And, and it's just so the, the power and the authority that comes with feeling empowered and to really just feel it again within your like your soul, your body, as well as knowing that sense of control and power you have within yourself it then starts thinking, you know, I don't need to go and zap every little bug or every little thing that is challenging me because I can choose when and where I'm going to focus my energy to really, you know, I don't know, blast a hole through this wall or take on this mountain. I no longer have to really worry about the mohills or, you know, like flying over valleys because like I can choose to walk and take my time and, and really having that discernment and those ability to make those decisions now you just feel come so, so much more from a place of centeredness. And again, it, it's like yes. you, you can't be toppled, you know? Yes. And so when you reach that level, it's like I'm untouchable. And if I, if I choose to let you punch me in the arm, it's because it's not even going to bother me. Yes. And so it, it becomes a whole new level of I can choose to put down my shield. I don't have to carry it. And so when you're that, I feel like, you know, like I, and again, I envision like, you know, uh, Achilles, right, in the movie Troy, and he's just like not bothered, like come into my tent, try to kill me, see what oh happens, God. you know, like, and that's yeah. just that feeling is so like, wow, like I'm, I'm alive, you know? Well, you're making me feel all pumped <laughs> up just talking about it. Oh my gosh. No, and it's so true that, you know, we think that empowerment may come from the outside or from somebody giving us that power, but mm -hmm. it truly comes from within. And like you said, it stems from a place of being centered and following that center. And to me, that's like following my own self love. And because when you're acting from a place of, you know, I want to do good unto me and unto my community, you're, it's all about love, right? It's not about dominance, which is considered opposite of mm -hmm. love, right? And so when you're acting from that place, you're not being an oppressor. And that's revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. And so when you talk about how you feel like people may, I don't know, punch you in the arm and you recover right away, can you describe a little bit more like what happens if someone were to put you down now versus maybe in the past? Yeah, I feel like I just have so much more of a stability within myself to kind of shake it off um, or almost like laugh, right? Like I giggle and I'm like, that, like that's cute, you yeah. know? Like well, one, again, like you're attempting to be an oppressor because again, the, the tall poppy, right? Um, uh, an F, I guess initiative or effort that they're thinking like, oh, I see you trying to go further and faster. Like, let me try to come and knock you down. Um, so it's funny because I, I acknowledge it now. And again, it, it almost makes me feel like I'm sad for them. Like I, my heart goes out to them. And again, it still happens to this day. There's still haters. There are still people in who are, are dealing with their own demons, you know, mm -hmm. that rather than do the work or again, like work through it with themselves, it's easier to use me as their target. Mm -hmm. And so again, like my heart goes out to them. I feel like it is 
I, again, I, I, I want to say like I laugh because just from the inside, back to the analogy of storm, like I just have so much power and I could say, do you know what I could do to you? You know what I mean? Like, do you know how I could like destroy you? But to have that ability and to choose to like keep my sword in my, you know, sleeve, yeah. like that's the utmost because I'm coming from a place of love and understanding and like, you know what, like not only are you not worth my time, but like you don't deserve to be responded to. You know, and so the more and even being raised, my mom told me, you know, people are going to be mean and ugly or even jealous. And, you know, if you give them the reaction that they want, like you're, they're going to keep you're going to keep kind of pulling that thread. Because yeah. then you're just you're basically two oppressed people trying to drag each other down, like trying to play the role of oppressor. Exactly. And nobody wins in that. And everyone just gets dehumanized. <laughs> exactly. In that process. Exactly. It, choosing the high road, you know, taking the path of love, of kindness is definitely the way to go. But like you said, like you do have to be self caring for yourself and loving yourself in that process. Right? And it is hard. And I feel like it's not natural again, to come from a place of love all the time. Um, you know, there is a sense of dominance, right. Yeah. And that it, it's almost like a good evil feeling, um, of like, Oh yes. You know, like I'm on top or I, I showed you, um, but as you mentioned, like that wears off very quickly. And then at the end, then, you know, if you don't continue to keep having, I feel like that evil, um, you know, energy to keep fueling you, like you're going to run out. And even if you are on top, like you're, you're, there's no one there to celebrate because you just, you know, chewed your way through everyone. Yep. Like there's no sense in, in sharing or being happy or celebrating. And that's the hard part is again, I, it's, it's very almost counterintuitive again, to come from a place of love. But you know, once you find that and you're able to start acting on it, it's just such a new level of, again, euphoric, like, Oh, like this is, like you said, for my community, I'm doing it for the right reasons. And, you know, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't always have to be malicious or, you know, me versus you kind of thing. We're just not on the same train and that's okay. Yeah. And a lot of people who do kind of put other people down, uh, who go for the dominance and that good feeling it gives them, it's like, they're not aware of how connected we all are Mm -hmm. and how your neighbor's trauma is also your trauma and it, it, it's a ripple effect. And so if you're plowing through everyone to get to the top of whatever this thing is that society tells you is success, you're hurting yourself in that process as well as other people around you. And it's, it's not sustainable. And in the end, are you really fulfilling your, (laughs) your heart, your soul, your, you know, how do you feel? And there's the trope of the, the rich guy who lives in the mansion and drives a nice car, but is completely alone and miserable. And I, in fact, know some people like this, like through people I know. And mm-hmm. so that's a very real stereotype that that happens. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because um, I even had to write it down for I didn't forget. Um, there's actually a book that I'm reading this week um, by, I believe, Oprah and Dr. Perry. Um, and it's the title is like, What Happened to You? Because again, we're walking around with so many of our own traumas and you mentioned like we're so interconnected, you know, you pretending that you hate me is really just your own struggle of dealing with your own demons, Um, you know, and you have no way of working through that. So you lash out at me um, and that's something, you know, we talk about in the four agreements and, and understanding that you know, how you're reacting to me is really just how you wish, you know, or the, the mirror that you're acting to yourself. Yes. And so when you don't have that inner self love, again, it's more of like, like, what's wrong with you? The more question is like, what happened to you? Like, why is this the only way that you think you can respond to me 
or again, to dehumanize me. Like, what happened to you that, like, do you think that this is okay? Wow. Mm -hmm. That sounds like such an interesting book. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Wow. I'm curious. I'm going to be asking you about that later. (laughs) Like, how was that? Oh, wow. And there's something we were talking about before we started recording that I want to touch on before um, we wrap up. And that is the fact that the false notion of empowerment incorporates this image that someone has to push through it all, be independent, be strong through everything. There's rest is for the weak, like just keep going, be productive all the time. And we were talking about how there's true strength in taking rest and respecting that. And so what is something that you'd like to share regarding that? Yeah, I mean, you hit it like in the nail on the head there um, is, you know, especially women in, in male dominated fields, particularly in STEM, you know, being one of very few women or the only person of color. And it, it, you tend to kind of be praised for that resilience. You get praised for being a warrior. Yes. And the first time I'll never forget it. Um, you know, I talked about, it, I think on season one of my podcast um, was, my friend Ashley, which, you know, like, you know, she sat down and she's a journalist, but she's such a soulful person. Um, she literally saw right through me. And so I'm telling this story that again, I've gotten great reviews and great praise on like, you're such a fighter and like, go you. And I'm telling her of all these uphill battles and all these people that have, you know, in, in my analogy in my head are like literally throwing boulders at me. And sometimes I get crushed and then it takes me a little longer to get back up. But like, I just constantly feel like I'm getting, you know, attacked from every angle. Um, and so I'm proud of that and I take pride in, you know, making it through and she's literally sitting across the table from me and and she like, her eyes are welt up with tears and she says like, Oh, so aren't you tired? Like, don't you just like, when do you ever put your armor down? And I literally just felt so seen Jill. I mean, like I I felt like I was going to explode from every angle because no one had ever considered me or thought of like, wow, like that, that must be heavy. Like that must be a lot for you to carry. And for someone to finally like come with the caring heart and like love and just true compassion, like, wow, that's a lot. And I thought, wow, you're like, you're right. You know, again, we're praised and we're told and you fight and you fight and you fight, but like never like, man, aren't you tired? Like, that's a lot, like that's heavy. And to be carrying that for years and, you know, you're still so young and like you've achieved so much, but like, you know, what did you sacrifice, you know? And, and that was like, like mind boggling to me. Like my, my brain just couldn't wrap around it. Like, wow, someone really genuinely cares about me, not just how I showed up, not just my productivity. And at the, at the time she was just a stranger. Um, but I'll never forget that because that was the first time the narrative actually shifted of simply someone asking, like, aren't you tired? And I, I, I was like, wow, you know, no one had ever considered to ask me that before. Because again, the narrative, the story is yeah. to push through. And that really helped on my own personal journey several years ago of, you know, I, I am a sensitive person and I am an empath and that's my superpower. It's not something that makes me weak. It's, you know, I, I am very in tune with people around me and I always want to be that loving, caring person. But again, like, I've been told to turn that off. I've been told to be direct in a force of nature. And granted, I'm that too, but I never want to turn off that side of me that that makes me very brand, that connects me to people. Um, You know, that's what I I love to do. It's what fills my veins and and just really recharges me to to have that opportunity to connect, to to be empathetic, to hear people and and feel them. Like, you know, I, I genuinely feel connected to people when I see someone hurting like I hurt. Like, it's hard to watch someone have a heartbreak or to to be frustrated because I feel that with them. 
And again, I, I, I feel so in tune with that. But again, learning to finally accept it and be open. Um, Glennon Doyle talks about in her book, Untamed, you know, to, to finally celebrate those pieces of you because not everyone has that. And some people wish they did. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, that false narrative of like resilience and wearing a badge of honor for strength, like I no longer want to have that. I don't want to be celebrated to being resilient. I want to be <laughs> soft and, and, yeah. and emotional. And like that's, I, I think that's great. I love yeah. that about myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so much, there is so much to say. <laughs> I love everything you just said first of all let me let me gather myself (laughs) and it's so often the case as women we're socialized to be martyrs for our families for other people for our workplaces yep and i experienced a similar kind of thing where i gave everything to help someone who needed help but what they really needed help was help from Mm themselves and i really lost myself in that process and it traumatize me and you know that's just one small aspect but you're so right in that we really need to prioritize ourselves and our own wellness and recognize that we are human at the end of the day we are human and we deserve rest and we can be emotional we are human we are emotional beings like that is the root of our humanity right and and recognizing that it is healthy to be emotional it is important to be emotional it is incredible to be emotional it's beautiful to be emotional right and embracing all of those aspects of ourselves not just those aspects which are the qualities hailed from oppressors mm-hmm. and those dominant in society Absolutely. And I love that you said we like we are emotional beings. Um, Funny enough, I I hosted my first book club um, earlier this year um, and we read Dr. Mark Brackett's book, Permission to Feel. And again, he's a man that wrote it. And I was so, I mean, blown away because I had one guy, one young engineer, entry level engineer um, in a group of women. And he even said, like, this is amazing because, again, especially as a guy, especially as a Hispanic guy, you know, man, um, you know, I wasn't taught how to feel. And to be given the vocabulary and, again, that inner strength yes. and power to be able to say, I am frustrated. And um, Dr. Brackett talks about, like, most of the time we have multiple emotions. And, you know, again, we feel like I'm either happy or I'm sad or I'm mad. Or, you know, how do you even talk about when you're, like, elated and you are just ecstatic and, you know, like you're bouncing off the walls with energy. And so, again, even just permission to feel like there's so much power in that because, again, we're expected to fit in these boxes or we're expected to be productive like robots but like we have feelings and we're emotional creatures that have thoughts. We're not thinking creatures with emotions. And so to put that in context, you know, takes it to a whole new level of just understanding the foundation of who we are and how we work to be able to now work through that. So when you say again, especially women, we're expected to be these martyrs and to give our whole selves, you know, like again, it's celebrated and we're given a badge of honor, the more yeah. selfless we are. Yeah. But then if we're self-centered or selfish or we invest in our t- ourselves or we don't immediately become baby makers or wives, then all of a sudden they're like, whoa, 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 you're getting a little dangerous over there. Like, what, what's your purpose here? And you're like, my purpose is living my life and doing what the hell I want. And, and people really can't come to terms with that. Um, so it is hard and we do get all these, you know, I want to say labels and tags on us. Um, they're usually not very nice. <laughs> Don't have a good connotation to them. Um, but it does become very much so like our identities are tied up in us losing our sense of self. Yeah, definitely. And then it's like this whole, the propaganda around women empowerment to also juxtapose that, which is just 
images of women still pertaining with status quo and being more like white straight men and you know just staying along the st upholding that status quo uh it just it really doesn't do anyone any kind of good service and what's you know i after writing this whole blog post i wrote this whole blog post and doing research for this i came to the end and i realized that perhaps instead of the word empowerment we should be using the word liberation mm. and not that we're empowered but that we're trying to be liberated and I think this whole like we could use liberation at any point we said empowerment just now right like I really feel like women empowerment is simply a term that gaslights women because the connotation around empowerment stems from the individual right but the connotation of liberation stems from society or government and so when we say, oh, women empowerment, we're putting the onus on women to change and to be empowered, which yes, empowerment comes from within. But then you have to juxtapose this with, wait a second, what are they trying to be empowered with or from? And it's truly like, wouldn't they rather be liberated or isn't this coming from a place of liberation? And that is on the onus of our society and our government. So what are your thoughts on this having empowerment and liberation interchangeably? What are your thoughts? No, I completely agree. And again, you said it perfectly with that, um, it actually being like two things at once because then like you said the empowerment piece, 1000%, but again, the liberation piece, and, and you said it perfectly when you mentioned the first time of martyrism is again, like the idea of women was to serve and was to, you know, support our man. And, and that was our role and that was the expectation. So yes, now this idea of empowerment of the women, again, like it's within yourself, like you can do whatever you want. But then again, in reality, as I was mentioning, whether or not we get, um, praise for it, we get celebrated for it. Everything up to this point has been really negative, um, you know, based on our families or people are really afraid of what that looks like because they don't know it and it's, it's new territory. Um, you know, we're, we're slowly seeing, I want to say a trickle of more women taking on leadership roles, but again, that that's trailblazing. This is new territory for us. Yeah. And so that idea of liberation is, again, it makes me think of, you know, slavery because then once you, you know, lock the chains off of someone or someone who gets out of prison, you're now giving them the freedom and you're like, okay, go along. And you're like, well, I don't even know what to do now. Like mm -hmm. I, I've been oppressed and withheld and, you know, chained for so many years. Like, what am I supposed to do now? And, and it's this new level of setting the standard. It's our new leveling up, right? We have to now navigate through something that is, is new to us. Like this yes. is brand new. Yes. Um, and so the idea of, like you said, what's up to you, you're only as far as, you know, that you're allowing yourself but in reality, like this is the first time you're giving me quote unquote permission. This is the first time society is now saying this is a new thing. And like, I'm supposed to just get up and go, you know? So yeah. there's a whole new unlearning process, getting our bearings within us uh, and then even navigating within our own personal journey of, of what that looks like. And now, oh, I can finally define it for myself. I don't have to have a partner or a man or a baby to like, again, have my identity. I mean, this is, this is big. And so I feel like so many women, and I know for myself, you hit the age of like 25 and you have this existential crisis, like, oh my gosh, I graduated college. I'm finally out of the house. Like I'm finally paying my own bills. Like now what? Yeah. And it's scary and it's exciting. But at the same time, like this is, again, we're finally liberated. Like, what do you do with that? You know, yeah. it's, it's a whole new, it's a whole new ball game now. Yeah. And then it becomes a game of, you know, how much are you going to assimilate into society and what they expect of you or how much are you going to counter that counter status quo and live true to yourself 
and balancing that and discovering who you are and and learning about your privilege or learning about your oppression and how society does that and I mean that's that's the journey to empowerment right is being faced with that I could do anything and then well what what are you choosing to do Mm -hmm. what are those choices you're going to make right well, this has been incredible, and I'm so happy we got to record this in person, of all things. <laughs> this is so wonderful, and you're my first guest on my podcast. And so I'd like to just give you the floor for sharing how people can get in touch with you or contact you and what they should expect from you in the future. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but you can find me anywhere on social media, Brianne C. Martin, or even just look up The People Engineer. Uh, my firm is BCM Engineered Solutions. Uh, again, I'm really excited. I'm going to be relaunching at the end of the year. Like Woo-hoo! I said, I know. Third time's a charm. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like I said, if there's anything, I, I really focus my podcast, the People Engineer Podcast. Jill was a, a um, you know host on or a guest. Um, you know, is focused on life, career, and growth. And so it, it's a yeah. real culmination of, again, having the system in place, the foundations. And like I said, season three is coming out soon, really just focused on leveling up now. Now that you kind of have the foundation in places, um, you know, the first two seasons were really about that. You know, I talked about career and workforce and the expectations of being your full authentic self. Um, And that was a whole new thing, right, in itself. But um, yeah, I'm more than happy to help in any way that I can. Um, I have dedicated time if you're looking to even just have more conversations or more resources. Uh, I really enjoy these type of conversations. So thank you for having me. And Brianne, like I am so blessed to have you in my life. And I'm so grateful that we had this opportunity to talk. And I I mean, we're just going to keep talking. We're going to dinner after this. So (laughs) we're continuing this conversation. Um, But Yes, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Resilient in STEM podcast. If you want to continue this discussion, join the Resilient in STEM Facebook community, which there's a link in the description below for it. And this is a private community where we're there to support you on your career journey and talk about all those taboo things about navigating a career, especially a career in science, technology, engineering, or mathematics or STEM. And everyone is welcome. Also, I want to invite you to follow the STEM Thrive Guides on Instagram or Twitter. It's just at STEM Thrive Guides. And you could subscribe and like this podcast if you really like this episode. Thank you again for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about how to navigate bias, harassment, and discrimination at work or school, you will want to check out the STEM Thrive Guides online courses at www.stemthriveguides.com. And I also have a free guide up for internship success, and that shares essential information for getting mentors and sponsors, as well as job opportunities through your internship, which is so incredible of an experience. Congratulations if you have an internship this summer. Until later, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Check you later.